Well, it's an honor to be here with you all this morning. Uh, as <clears throat> Pastor said, uh, my name is Patrick. Um, I haven't met all of you. I've met a lot of you. My wife, Amy, and uh, some of my kids are in here as well. So lovely and amazing she is. Um, but very excited to be here with you this morning. Uh, you know, we all had the honor of listening to John West last week. How awesome was that? Such, such an anointed man. I love listening to him speak. Uh, and he did give a little shout out to me about some of my Scottish heritage, but, uh, uh, and I'm not going to talk much about Scotland this morning, but there's just one thing, just one thing I wanted to, to share, because I learned something new. Thank you, Mark Frazee, uh, on the streets of Thurzo, that the Holy Spirit has a gift of uh, uh, goofball, right? <laughs> like, I never saw somebody work so marvelously with, in goofball mode and engage kids. It was awesome. So, Mark, just wanted to give you a little shout out there. It was fantastic. Um, but uh, John laid some great foundations for us last week, sharing about how Jesus is king and the revelation and the revolution that that is, and that his kingdom operates in love, right? And uh, it really set up well for, for what I'm going to talk about this week. Um, so thank you, John, although he's not here today. Um, I want to talk about loving one another, right? So loving God, kind of the... The, the vertical pillar of the cross and, and loving one another, the horizontal uh, pillar of the cross. And um, uh, definitely excited about doing that. You know, in my previous congregation, I was part of the word ministry team, and I, I was blessed to be able to preach on a fairly regular occasion, but it's been about five years. So bear with me. I'm going to be a little rusty this morning, all right? Um, but excited about doing it and, uh, and privileged here to share because... The message that I want to bring this morning is, is one of those treasures that God has given me, right, uh, that he deposited deeply in my heart many years ago and continues to build on that, that theme and that message. And so um, I'm excited to share that with you all this morning, and I hope, I hope uh, that it will be lodged deeply in your spirit and your soul as well. Um, my charge was to pick a book of the New Testament and preach from it or on it. And uh, I did choose the book of 1 John. And we're going to start there, but we're going to go everywhere today. All right. So forewarned, we have a lot of scripture. Diego told me this is the most slides he's ever put together for a sermon. Okay. But we're going to make it through. Uh, so don't be afraid. Um, it's going to be great. <clears throat> but we are going to talk and start on the book of 1 John. Now, John is my favorite New Testament character, right? He's a mystic, he's a, he's a prophet, he's a teacher, um, just an amazing story, and I connect most uh, with John, and so uh, it's been a fun, uh, fun exercise to dive deeply into this and share again, but one of the things that, as you study church history, <clears throat> John was known, especially later in life, um, as one that had, he just had a singular message for people. You know, he would meet with churches all around, and they would ask him to speak, and he would, he would just have one message, and that was to love one another. And he would repeat it over and over again, and that was the one thing he wanted to deposit uh, in the church and um, uh, all those that he, that he had influence. And we're going to see this morning just the depth and the breadth and the import of that message, right? Because I think it often gets lost uh, uh, in our day and age. So... With that, if you would stand with me, we're going to have our opening passage of Scripture. Diego is going to put that up on the screen, 1 John 3, 11 through 24. And um, I'll read it out loud for us here. 
For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth, and reassure our hearts before him, for whenever our heart hold on a second, condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him, because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us, by the spirit whom he has given us. So, our passage for this morning. And there's so much that's in here, um, and we're going to unpack it by going many other places here in the New Testament uh, to, to really understand this. But, you know, essentially what John is doing in this, and you can all sit down again. Sorry. I'm still learning how to control the audience here, right? So, um, you know, this is really a distillation. It's kind of an exposition on, on Jesus, you know, when he distilled the law, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Um, but as we, I think, as we reflect on this and as experience teaches us, I think we have a danger of kind of flannel graphing, you know, this whole topic, right? It kind of seems a little bit like Sunday school, soft and mushy, um, uh, something that we kind of hear goes in one ear and out the other. Um, but this is a much bigger deal uh, than I think where we often uh, treat it in the church. Um, as John alluded to in this passage, this was a new commandment that Jesus gave, right? Jesus summed up the law by saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love their neighbor as yourself. But then, four different times in the book of John, uh, Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, right? Uh, so John 13, 34, and 35, it says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And then again, John 15, 12, and 17, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. So we have not just a restatement of, of the law and the prophets, right? But we have a new commandment from Jesus. And if Jesus was so emphatic about it, that's probably why John was so emphatic about it, right? And probably why we need to be so emphatic about it as well. So I want to take a little time this morning to help us understand a little better what does it mean to love one another, right? Um, and I've got, I think, 30 verses that we're going to read through. Um, yeah, and, and we're going to go across the entire New Testament. So every New Testament author will be quoted except for Jude. Um, but I don't want you to take notes. I don't want you to worry about, like, trying to follow along. I really want to bathe you in the word here, right, to just 
absorb it. Just listen, let it penetrate your heart, um, get the spirit of it. If you want the notes and all that, we can give you all the references afterward. Come to me, come to Diego, whatever, whatever works. But don't get caught in that. I really want to really just speak this over all of us as we, as we reflect. So I'm going to quickly read through a lot of scripture verses. So bear with me here. <clears throat> We're going to start in Romans. So Romans 12, 10, and 16. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Romans 14, 13. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. Romans 15, 5, 7, and 14. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus. Therefore, welcome one another as a Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. Romans 16, 16, greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. Now, some churches take that one a lot farther, right? I'll have to tell you a story someday about my father-in-law in in Russia, but we'll do that another time. 1 Corinthians 6, 7. To have lawsuits at all with one another is already a defeat for you. Why not rather suffer wrong? Why not rather be defrauded? 1 Corinthians 7, 5. Do not deprive one another, and this is speaking of husband and wife, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. 1 Corinthians eleven thirty three. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. My wife would like that one. 1 Corinthians 12, 25, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. 2 Corinthians 10, 12, not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without one understanding. 2 Corinthians 13, 11, finally, brothers, rejoice, aim for restoration, comfort one another, agree with one another, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Galatians 5, 13, 15, and 26, for you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Ephesians 4, 2 and 32, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Ephesians 5, 19 and 21, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Colossians 3, 9, 13, and 16. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. 1 Thessalonians 3.12, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you. 
1 Thessalonians 4, 9 and 18. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. 1 Thessalonians 5, 11 and 15. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. 2 Thessalonians 1.3, we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Titus 3.3, for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others, and hating one another. Hebrews 3.13, but exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. James 4, 11, Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. James 5, 9 and 16. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great powers that is working. We pray that this morning for you all. <clears throat> 1 Peter 1, 22. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. 1 Peter 4, 8 through 10. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. 1 Peter 5, 5 and 14. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Greet one another with the kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. 1 John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. For the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. 1 John 3, 11 and 23, for this is the message that you have heard from the beginning that we should love one another. And this is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. 1 John 4, 7, 11 and 12, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. And finally, 2 John 1, 5. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but this one that we have heard from the beginning, that we love one another. <clears throat> I know that was a lot to go through, but I, I, I hope you're picking up on a theme. <laughs> right? This is a critical message for the church. Right? Every New Testament author was addressing it in every aspect that they could think of. Just how important it is for us to love one another. And as you reflect on those things, that's pretty hard to accomplish those on a Sunday morning, right? You know, like 
the Christian life is much more than just showing up to churches on Sundays and hearing a good word, right? This requires us to be integrated, ingrained, and connected with one another, right? We have to be living life with one another in order for these things to be true, right? And as you think about these things, can you imagine how transformational it would be not just in your life or in our lives, but in the world if we actually lived this way, right? As a global body of Christ, you know, John spoke last week just about how revolutionary it was that Jesus was declaring himself king, right? Standing up against every political body, every, uh, you know, institution that was there and saying, no, I rule over all, right? And just that, how that confronted, uh, you know, the culture around. And we have the very same opportunity, right? As we live out and express this love for God uh, in the way that we love and treat one another. Um, And, you know, this has become, you know, deeply personal to my wife and I, you know, we've been taught about Christian love and Christian community, but you can only be taught so much. You got to catch it, right? You got to experience it. Um, And many years ago, we've had some very dear friends of ours, the Bryans, uh, walk alongside of us through a very difficult season. And, just practically show us what it meant to love one another. And it absolutely was transformational, not only for our own lives, but for our experience of Christianity as well, right? We're like, this put a whole new depth of hunger and desire in us for, to be a part of community, right? Um, we're going through a season right now where without Christian community and those around us that truly love us, we'd have a very different outcome, right? From what, from what God is ordaining. Like, there's a practical value, there's a transformational value that comes from building community, right? But it's one of those things, again, it can't be taught, it's gotta be, it's gotta be caught. Um, and as we look at the world around us, right, and the state of the church, um, and I don't wanna be condemnatory or judgmental as I go through this, so please hear it with grace, right? This is not the church that we see as we look at the world around us, right? Um, Do you know there are 45,000 denominations of the Christian church across the globe? 45,000 divisions, right? Denominations, as I've been calling them in my own head, right? These are 45,000 groups that say, our way is the right way, and your way isn't, right? I don't think that's what Jesus called us to. Um, we spent some time, Andrew did a marvelous job of leading us through the book of Revelation, but there's, there's two churches I want to highlight uh, for us that I think really bring this into crystal clear focus uh, as we think about what, is a, what does a church look like that is following this and what does a church like, look like that doesn't. Um, so Diego, if you would bring up Revelation 3, 1 through 6. This is uh, the church of Sardis. Um, and I call this the church of names or the pharisaical church. And I hope as you look through this, you'll kind of see uh, maybe some of those crossovers. Um, oh, and of course, I didn't actually write them down. So I'm going to read them off the screen. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. And I want to pause there. It says you have the reputation, but in the Greek, it's you have the name of being alive, right? But you are dead. So next verse, wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die for I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you received and heard, keep it and repent. 
If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. Yet you still have a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So that's a pretty stark letter, you know, and I purposefully emphasized the repeated use of names throughout this, and we'll see a contrast as we look at the next church. But as, you, as we study the seven letters, you know, they typically have a structure. There's an introduction, a title of Christ, there's a commendation, there's a rebuke, and there's the close. Well, you'll notice in this that Jesus had nothing good to say about this church, right? He, was only, he only had a rebuke for them. Um, and when you see the repeated use of names, you get this idea of like, they're trying to build a name for themselves. They're trying to prove themselves. They're trying to say, this is the way it works and that's not the way it works, right? They're not operating in love. They're trying to do it themselves. Um, and we could dive into this more, but there's much, you know, Jesus' strong rebuke in John 8 against the Pharisees where he called them whitewashed tombs, right? Uh, dead men's bones, uh, you know, where they've got an appearance, they've got a name that they're alive, but, but they're really dead. Um, but yeah, God wants us uh, to be different. And so the next one, uh, the Church of Philadelphia in Reve Revelation 3, 7 through 13, we start, well, with the name of Philadelphia, we probably all know, means the city of brotherly love, right? So it was literally founded on love for one another, right? So their very definition is, is that... <clears throat> And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, the words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, and who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven in my own new name. He who has near... Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So as we read this letter to the Church of Philadelphia, we can see in contrast to Sardis, who was all about their name, that this is a church that is all about his name, right, and his ways. And in opposition of, you know, uh, Sardis, where Jesus had nothing good to say about them, here there is no condemnation for the Church of Philadelphia, right? He has nothing negative to say about this church. And, uh, you know, uh, this is the faithful church. This is the church that we want to pursue, right? Um, uh, not only as an individual body, but as a body as a whole. And I don't want to go down too deep of a rabbit hole because this would be easy to happen on this topic. But um, one, of the, one of the most transformational teachings that, that we got for me uh, during the uh, discipleship school over the past year we had to do some uh, theology courses on church history. And to be frank, I was a little bit 
like, I really don't want to do this. It sounds kind of boring. I kind of know church history, but had to do it anyway. And what they ended up doing was going through a lot of how the, the original creeds were created. And it gave me such a deep appreciation of how much labor and time and energy and people went into wrestling through defining these creeds, the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, the Athanasian Creed. Um, what these men were trying to do, and women, were trying to say, look, these are the white lines of Christianity, right? This is what it means to be a follower of Christ. And it's amazing what those creeds contain, but it's even more amazing what they don't contain, right? There's so much that is not addressed in the creeds that we divide ourselves on all the time. And I think the church fathers knew that like, hey, if we can get this right, the lordship and the love, all the other things are going to be worked out, right? Um, and so I, I deposit that with you. It has really been, it's been an earthquake for me uh, to some degree as I'm, I'm trying to understand, okay, how does it, what does it really mean to love one another and yet defend the faith, right? Um, so, so I think there's a lot in there for us to absorb um, and to think through. Um, and I also hope that that kind of tale of two churches, if you will, um, you know, gives us a little bit better flavor of maybe the Lord's view and, and what it means practically to live this out. Um, but I think there's still more for us to unpack through this. Like, as we think about Christian community and loving one another, obviously it should start in the home, right? We should have that relationship and learn and grow in loving one another. It's a great opportunity that marriage presents us, right? Um, and it's a wonderful refinement. Uh, same with kids. Uh, it's a great opportunity for us as a congregation to practice this and live this out, right? But if we stop there, we've failed, right? The loving one another has to extend to the entire body of Christ. Um, and so we, we're in danger of being too small in our vision of, of what this command actually means. And Part of what I want to do is I want to expand that vision for what it means to love one another, right? If we're going to be a church that's pursuing the heart of God and the name of God and truly loving one another, that's got to extend beyond these walls. It has to, right? If it doesn't, we failed in, 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 in fulfilling the commandment. Mm. But even still, even more, you know, why, why does this matter so much, Right? Why is this such an important thing? Why did Jesus command it? Why did John give his life to it? Why is the, the body of Christ sacrificed for it throughout, throughout church history? And <clears throat> I think we get a peek of this as we look at, you know, the, it's called the high priestly prayer, John 17. This is a prayer that Jesus uh, shared with his disciples right before he went into the garden, right before the crucifixion and his arrest. Um, and if you would, John 17, 21 through 23, I want to read this for us. <clears throat> and this is, this is really the, the passage that, that just dug deep in my heart. It says that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one, I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. And as I've read this scripture many, many times, um, 
I've never really thought about it in the context with which it was given, right? I kind of have this view of, you know, the, the, the painting of the Last Supper, right? Jesus kind of calmly hanging out with his disciples. They're sharing a meal. He bows his head. He says a nice prayer. It's a long prayer, right? But it's a nice prayer. And, uh, and then as I was reflecting on this and praying on this this week, the Lord hit me like, that is not the context in which this prayer was offered, right? We know from the, some of the other gospels, like Jesus was in agony prior to his arrest, right? He was sweating blood. He was so stressed in his state, right? That he was nearly at the point of death because of his emotional condition. And, you know, we've often heard or thought about, well, maybe that was because he feared what was coming, right? Or maybe it was because he was going to be separated from the Father. And I posit you that maybe it was because of this, that he was in such agony because he said, Father, make them one as I and you are one that the world will know that I was sent from you and this will not be wasted. He knew if we did not have the love of God, his work on the cross would be wasted. It's the work. This is how the world knows, right? That Jesus was sent from the Father. This is it, right? And as I've reflected on that, it has just even more cemented this in my heart. Like little children love one another, right? This is the foundational work of the church. This is what transforms the culture. This is what evangelizes people. It's not, you know, the gospel way or any other tracks that we're going out there. If they don't see our love for one another, they will absolutely ignore what we have to say, right? Absolutely ignore. And I'll go ahead and invite the, the band to come up here as we, as we kind of attempt to close. And I'm sorry, I'm just feeling really emotional about this whole thing. Um, yeah, and I'll share a little quick story because I've got a couple minutes. Um, I think I've got a couple minutes, I do. Uh, so when, when we were all brought up here on stage and everybody prayed for us before we went to Thurzo, God gave me this vision really quickly. And it was, I was, I was like in the place of a, of a local person in Thurzo and hearing this gospel presentation. And yet I was confused because I've heard it from this church over here and then something different from this church over here. And like, I had no idea, right? Like, well, who do I believe, right? Because the, 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 the experience of the church is so fractured. Um, and it broke my heart. And one of the things I was super excited about was how many churches in Thurza were behind what we were doing, right? And so the unity of the body of that, of that message was, was important. But, you know, that's the experience of the, of the world around us. Like, they're confused because they see this fractured, divided church and not the singular, you know, one body, one God, one Lord, one spirit that, that Jesus has proclaimed and prayed for. So I share that with you all this morning, right? I deposit this treasure, hopefully, in your, in your hearts as well. And, uh, you know, as we think on this and we pray on this, like, you know, are there examples in our lives where maybe we haven't loved another Christian brother, right? Or we haven't really practiced this uh, in a full way. Or maybe, you know, there's a, there's a heart like we need, to, we need to be connected with more people in the body of Christ here. And, and you, however the Lord is, is convicting you, just 
you know, we'll invite the prayer team up. Please come up and get prayer. Um, you know, I would love to pray with anybody who would like to as well. Um, but we need to reset, right? And we need to increase our vision for what it means to love one another and live together in unity and in Christian community. And uh, I want to invite you all into doing that, you know, here yet this morning. And so let me just close this in prayer and uh, ask that God would fulfill <laughs> that prayer of Jesus, right? To make us one. I promise you, it will change your life. It'll change, it's changed mine and is changing mine. Um, and by Jesus' own words, it will change the world as well. So, Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. I take whatever words were shared. I ask them to be yours. Um, Father, make us one. Lord, as Jesus is in you, and you are in us, and we are all one. Father, may we be known by our love for one another. Lord, that, that the world would know that Jesus was sent, right, as the Savior for all. And we pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.